Welcome to Lakeshore Christian Church's Midweek Video Podcast. I'm Pastor Randy Cordell. We're coming to you live from our studio here at our Antioch campus in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. We're happy to have you joining us today. If you haven't already done so, we'd love for you to hit that subscribe button. Uh, You might want to hit that notification bell as well. You get notified each time a new episode is posted. Uh, We come to you live at noon on Wednesdays, but then once it's posted, you can listen to it or watch it anytime after that on most popular podcast platforms. Each week on the podcast, we take a look at uh, the message series that we're doing here at Lakeshore Christian Church, and right now we're in a series called Empowered by the Holy Spirit. This past Sunday, we talked about how the Holy Spirit can empower the follower of Jesus to influence others for the kingdom of God. And we looked at a great example that's in Acts chapter 9 of how uh, a little-known person, Ananias, is used by God, led by God, to have a great influence over someone we know a lot more about. We know a lot about the Apostle Paul. Early in his life, he was known as Saul, and uh, Saul was, at first, uh, very much an opponent of Christianity. When we pick up in Acts chapter 9, we read that uh, in verse 1, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So Saul is on a mission. Uh, It started, it seems, very early. Before that, we in this series, we looked at uh, the encounter with Stephen, who was the first Christian martyr. And when they stoned Stephen, it says, those who were doing the stoning laid their cloaks at the feet of a young man named Saul. And then we find out it is this same Saul who has decided to try to stop the spread of Christianity. And he, he becomes more influential. He becomes more a person of, uh, of some power and authority who can go around and start having these Christians arrested. But he's on his way to Damascus when we pick up here in Acts chapter 9 where he is going to take these letters of authority that he has so that if he finds any believers there when he's in town, uh, he's going to have them arrested and taken back to Jerusalem, most likely to be uh, put on trial, at least to be put in prison, uh, and possibly to be executed if they're found guilty and not recanting their their faith in Christ. So he's really got uh, a powerful opportunity to do some damage to the kingdom of God. He was already doing a lot of damage. There was already a lot of fear uh, of Saul that had but de- uh, already developed among those who were Christians. And so just to hear his name, just to hear he's going to be in town would have brought fear to those that were followers of Christ there. And, but Christianity spreading, even in the face of that persecution, it's already spreading, uh, and more and more people are coming to know and believe in Jesus as the Messiah. But then something dramatic happens to Saul. It says in verse 3 of Acts 9, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now we find out that those that were traveling with Saul didn't really see what Saul saw, that he, they, uh, he saw Jesus in this, in this vision speaking to him, and he heard the words, and he, he, he could tell this was, this was 
dramatic in the sense that he thought Jesus was dead. He had convinced himself Jesus wasn't alive anymore, uh, and he was trying to convince others of that so that it would be useless to follow him and follow his teachings if he was still dead. And now this same Jesus that he thought was dead has appeared to him on the road. When he, when he got up from having this great light and having this encounter with Jesus, he was blind. He couldn't see a thing. And those that were with him had to lead him by the hand into Damascus. Well, we pick up then with what happens next. Uh, in verse 10, that's when this guy Ananias comes on the scene. It says in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he said. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul for his praying. In a vision, he's seen a man uh, named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. So Ananias gets this prodding, this leading from God to go to this house in Damascus and ask for Saul. And immediately Ananias knows who this is, this Saul guy. He knows he's a persecutor of Christians. So in verse 13, this is Ananias' response. Lord, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He's come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. So Ananias is saying, God, uh, I want to help you out here. Maybe you're not familiar with the details of this guy Saul's life and what he's doing right now. Uh, he, he's actually a persecutor of Christians. And if I go there, I'm sure what Ananias is thinking is, is if I go there and say that I'm there as a, as a Christian, I'm there because you told me to come, and uh, he may not respond well to that. Uh, he's, he's saying, Lord, I don't, I don't feel led to do what you're asking me to do here, knowing what I know about Saul. But the Lord said to him, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings, to the pe people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. God knew every detail already when he said to Ananias, I want you to go there and talk to Saul. He already knew what Saul was doing, but he also already knew he'd had this encounter with him on the road. He already knew that, that Saul was, was uh, thinking differently now about what he was doing and what he had been doing, uh, that his heart and his mind was open now and receptive to the message he's sending Ananias there to take him. And the reason I, I like this illustration, this story, in connection with how the Holy Spirit can give us the ability to influence others, empower us to influence others, is this. We oftentimes make all kinds of excuses when the Holy Spirit is prodding us to share our faith with others. There's a lot of things we get conditioned to believe about ourselves and about others, and we, we sense these barriers that are there. We, we have fear, we have doubt, we have pride and insecurity, all these different things that, that we think keep us, should keep us from talking to someone about Jesus. The Holy Spirit, however, if he's prodding, if he's leading us to talk to someone, he has the power to overcome all of these barriers if we just stop making the excuses that we make. We talked about those different barriers Sunday on, on, on how we excuse ourselves sometimes but in 2 Timothy 1, uh, verse 7, Paul said this to Timothy. 
The spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So when, when Ananias was willing to get past the barriers he had in his own mind, he went on to that house that the spirit was leading him to go to, that God had told him to go to, and he did what God had told him to do. He placed his hands on Saul. He, he restored his sight. And then uh, after taking some food, uh, he regained his strength. And Ananias was able to say to him all those things that God had sent him there to say about God's plan for his life. I have found that when I feel led by the Spirit to do something that I, I hesitate on, that I don't feel like is, is the right thing right at the moment, and I think, start thinking of all those excuses that the first thing I need to do is remember who it is that's leading me, who it is that's prodding me. This is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who does not give us make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. If we let the Holy Spirit empower us and we let ourselves be led by the Holy Spirit, then he gives us this power and this love and this self-discipline to be able to be obedient to what God is calling us to do. More and more brothers and sisters in Christ, more and more members of our churches need to be depending on the power of the Holy Spirit to lead and direct and guide our lives because God is giving us opportunities. They're out there every day, all around us, all the time to influence others for Christ. We just need to be open to it, and we need to be willing to listen to the prodding of the Spirit. So I closed last week talking about characteristics for influencing others that God would want us to develop in our lives so that as the Spirit prods us uh, to talk to someone, we, we have credibility, first of all. That's the first characteristic that we see Ananias had. When Paul retells this story in Acts 22, he says this about Ananias. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law, highly respected by all the Jews living there. God wants to use all of us, but here's the thing. We make choices all the time as a Christ follower that will either make us credible to unbelievers, or will discredit, discredit our testimony to unbelievers. I'm not talking about being perfect here. None of us is going to be perfect as followers of Jesus. But I'm talking about credibility, where they see a genuineness in our faith. They see that we truly do believe what we say we believe because they see us practicing it. It's like walking the walk instead of just talking the talk. That's what gives us credibility. And I know God can use all of us, but especially we have better opportunity to be used by God when we're leading a credible Christian life, where we're walking the walk, where we're following the teachings of Jesus consistently in our lives. And when we do mess up, credibility means we confess that, we, we repent of it, we seek forgiveness, and we get back on track again, and people can see the change that's happened in our lives. And that builds more credibility with those who may not already be followers of Jesus. It's, it's amazing when you look at the surveys that are done among those who are not Christians, not believers, not part of the church. And they say, what's the number one obstacle to you maybe coming to consider following Jesus in your life? And number one on the list is always the hypocrisy of those who claim to be Christians. You see, hypocrisy takes away our credibility. Saying one thing and doing another takes away our credibility. So the best step we can take is to commit to being more consistent in our walk 
to build credibility over time, even with those who may not be believers in our lives, that God can lead us through the prompting of the Spirit to go and talk to about Jesus. So that's the first thing, is developing credibility. The second thing is we need to be willing simply to be obedient uh, if we want to influence others. Ananias went to the house. Now, maybe he went reluctantly at first. Maybe he went with fear and trepidation when he went to that house to see Saul. Uh, if it had been me, I probably, uh, even when I was convinced I needed to go, I would have gone with some fear. I, I would have been a little bit afraid of how is this guy going to respond when I say that I'm sitting here by God and that was Jesus that appeared to you and he's got a plan for your life. I would have been afraid to tell someone like Saul. I mean, Saul was a persecutor. He had authority and he had, he even wanted to put Christians to death. So exposing yourself as a Christian to a man like that, that would be a scary thing to do. But Ananias sets a great example in that he was, even though he was afraid, he had enough faith in God and in the leading of the Spirit to go ahead and do what God was telling him to do. If the Holy Spirit can empower a Christian like Ananias to have a face-to-face -face meeting with a murderer like Saul— then he can empower us too to be obedient to whatever it is God's calling us to do, to talk to whoever it is God is leading us to speak with about Christ, about our faith in Christ. Oftentimes, it's, uh, it's just awkwardness that gets in the way. We feel like it's awkward to talk to somebody about this, especially somebody maybe at work or somebody that we, we have a friendship with and we wonder how it's going to affect the friendship, maybe even a family member. I shared Sunday something in my own life that that was awkward for me. I, I remember how awkward it was when I really felt the leading of God to talk to my own parents about their relationship with God and with Christ and trying to help them get their lives back on track. And they had uh, spent a lot of their adult life not really walking in the will of God in their lives. And I, I knew how awkward it was for me when I tried to do that. And so I try to be compassionate to people when they say, they have hesitations about talking to someone about Jesus because that was probably, uh, I think because it was my own parents, it was the hardest people for me to talk to. I had no trouble at that point as a pastor talking to, to total strangers if I had the opportunity about Jesus. But when it's your own parents and, you know, they've raised you and they've had authority over you in your life, I think that adds to the awkwardness of talking to them. My older brother and I, Ron, we talked about it together, and we both agreed that we felt like God was leading us to do that. And I'm so thankful we did. My parents responded very well as we began to talk to them about that. And they did make changes, and they did uh, bring their lives back in line with uh, what God was wanting for them and how they needed to live their lives. And I'm so thankful we talked to them about that. It wasn't long after that that my dad found out he had cancer. He ended up dying with cancer. And then some years later, my mom did as well. And I'm so thankful that I can know that we made that effort and we did talk to them and they did respond well to that and getting ready for uh, eternity. And I'm, uh, I know there are other people around us every day who need men and women who have the courage and the faith and the willingness to be obedient to the leading of the Spirit to talk to them about their walk with Christ. So I want to encourage you to to be credible, but then to be obedient. And the last thing we talked about was to also be thorough in how we do this. Uh, in the New Testament, we see that when people are, every individual conversion experience we see in the book of Acts, 
is a, an experience where someone shared with them the whole story. They didn't leave things out. They didn't try to just say, well, you just need to turn your life over to Jesus and leave it like that. They didn't just say, well, if you just become a Christian, everything will be okay. They didn't do that. They told them the whole story of the gospel about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and they didn't even stop there. They told them about, taught them how to respond to God's call in their lives, believing in Christ, repenting of their sins, being baptized into Christ. They were given the whole story. And that's part of what we need to do, too, as Christ followers today, is we need to share the whole story. Oftentimes, I have found one of the, the best things we can do if we're talking to a non-believer and wanting to try to influence them for the kingdom of God is to tell our own personal story of what God's done for us, how we came to know Jesus, the difference that Jesus has made in our lives. But I have also found that oftentimes the way to open that door to telling our story is to enter into a conversation with someone where we ask about them. We get to know their story. Where do they come from? What experiences have they had? What do they already know about Jesus or the church or, or about salvation in Christ? See, a lot of times we have to, to learn where they, are so, where they are in their walk so we can start from that place instead of starting way down the road too far on calling on them to follow Jesus. Maybe they've had a bad experience in the past. Maybe they've been hurt by the church or by someone who claimed to be a Christian we need to be able to start there, but the only way we can start there with them is to ask them to tell us their story. And that means we've got to give some time to the relationship. We've got to get to know the person where they feel comfortable sharing their story with us. So I want to encourage you to have your eyes and your ears open, listening to the prodding of the Spirit, maybe to enter into a conversation with someone. Don't start too far down the road. Find out where they are. Uh, that's the example we have throughout all the book of Acts. So I'm thankful that Ananias was willing to be uh, responsive to the leading of God and going to talk to Saul. God had already prepared Saul's heart and mind to hear the message. And when Ananias was obedient and shared the message and he gave him the whole message, uh, he said to Paul, then what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Calling on the name of the Lord, wash away your sins. And that's exactly what Saul did. And Saul became one of the greatest leaders for the church in the history of the world. He, he has written uh, almost half of the New Testament that we still use today as, as that teaching and that guide for how to live the Christian life and how to, uh, to organize and, and do things as a church. Uh, Paul had so much influence over that and still is having so much influence over that uh, in the church today. So I'm thankful for that obedience. Next week, we're going to finish up this series. We're going to be talking about how uh, we need to, with the leading and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we will be able to accept each other's differences. If we're going to reach the world for Christ, that means everybody in the world. If we're going to make disciples of all nations, it means people different than us, people that live in different places, that look different than us, that have different tradition, traditions, uh, different lifestyles oftentimes. And we need the help and the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to uh, accept each other's differences if we're going to call everybody together as one in the body of Christ. One of the things I love most about Lakeshore, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 10, where Peter is led to the household of Cornelius next week. One of the things I love most about Lakeshore and being the pastor here is how the church is so diverse at Lakeshore that I get to serve with and work with. 
people from all over the world, people from different races and ethnicities, different economic levels, different social economic backgrounds, and and even religious backgrounds. And we all come together as one in Christ. It doesn't mean we, we have it all worked out and everything works well all the time, but it, it's an amazing thing to see what God has done here at Lakeshore with the diversity of this church family. I'd love for you to visit and see it for yourself. I'd love for you to join us this coming Sunday as we look at Acts chapter 10 and how Peter had to, with the help of the Holy Spirit, overcome some preconceived prejudices and, and the notions that he had about other people that were not Jewish and how God used him to become a real witness to those uh, Gentiles. And that's a good thing because the overwhelming majority of, of us hearing this podcast, the overwhelming majority of us in the church today in the United States are Gentiles, not Jewish background people. So God opening up the door to the Gentiles was a blessing to all of us that are not of a Jewish heritage. And I, I, I'm so thankful we can learn so much from this example of the Holy Spirit leading Peter, Peter to take the steps that he led Peter to take. Hope you'll join us Sunday. We have services here at the Antioch campus at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We have services at the Smyrna campus at 10 a.m. And then we live stream our services at 9 a.m. every Sunday morning. I want to remind you of a couple of things coming up this Saturday. We have Trunk or Treat here at the Antioch campus. We had our, our Trunk or Treat at the Smyrna campus last Saturday. It was very successful. We're so thankful for all those who volunteered and helped out with that. You can still volunteer and help us out this Saturday at the Antioch campus. It's from 2 to 4 Saturday afternoon. Uh, you can sign up on our website at lakeshorechristian.com if you'd like to volunteer to help in any way with that. And then we have a welcome lunch coming up on November the 5th. That's for those that might be new to Lakeshore. It's a great time to find out more about the church. It'll be after the 10 a.m. service at the Smyrna campus, after the 11 a.m. service at the Antioch campus. That's on Sunday, November the 5th. You, can, again, can sign up on our website or at the kiosk in the lobby at either campus. Thank you for joining us today here at Lakeshore Christian Church as we continue to connect, grow, and serve together.